Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Good morning, I'm John Hoffman. South Bend schools went back to class this week, and Superintendent Dr. Todd Cummings talked Monday about the coming school year on WSBT 22's First in the Morning. Superintendent Dr. Todd Cummings, thanks for bringing uh, this morning and talking with us. I know it's a busy time. We appreciate you stopping by. Sure, good morning, Bob. Uh, I know South Bend was one of the first districts in our region to decide to have at least limited mass coverage. You've changed that now to complete mass coverage for the entire, at least start of the school year, all the grades K through 12. What was the reasoning behind that? You know, we first started with K through 5, and then following the CDC guidelines, we changed it so that it's now K through 12, all visitors, faculty, and staff. Our top priority is to ensure that our students are safe, that they're at school, that they're learning, and that we're making academic progress. Do you anticipate this is going to be a long-term mask mandate, or will, will just depend on the, the spread of the variant? That's a good question. We're going to monitor our data, but right now we're going to start with everyone in a mask, and we're going to focus on academics and make sure all of our students are learning and we're thrilled to have them back. Do, do you know that if there will be a time at which you will determine we need to revisit this or is, is this a floating time? Sure, I would say it's floating. We don't have a definite time in mind, but we're sure going to monitor our data, work with Dr. Fox at the Department of Health. But can you say that at, at this point, if things start, suddenly start to get better as the variant continues to come back down in some places we're already seeing that, that uh, South Bend will say, okay, we're going to try to go back and maybe make it a mask optional? Sure, I think we'll be floating about it, but we're going to pay really close attention to our data. You know, this, uh, there, there's another COVID question, and South Bend is one of the few, if maybe the only, offering full-time virtual learning for a number of students. Why is South Bend offering virtual when the numbers showed last year that virtual was not really very successful anywhere in the country? Sure, that's a really good question. So what we did is we had virtual in our classrooms. This is a standalone virtual school with dedicated teachers and staff. And so for students and families who don't feel safe coming back to school or would like a virtual option if it works well for them, we would encourage them to enroll in our South Bend Virtual School. Is this going to be the, the standard from here on out with South Bend schools? Will this be the case next year and, and years following? We've had really good success with our virtual school. We think that it's a really good option for families who don't want to be back in a building and for students who need more flexibility. So we're excited to look at our data and to see what our enrollment looks like and hopefully continue with the virtual option for students. What was the academic success last year with virtual learning for South Bend? There were a number of reports that a lot of teachers had difficulty getting the kids just to show up virtually. Sure. sure, we found that last year our academics lagged, and so that means that this year that our number one priority is making up, meeting our students where they are, but making academic progress. If those kids are not showing up, if they sign up for virtual and they're still not showing up, do they lose the opportunity to remain virtual? Do they have to come back in person? We've built infrastructure so that we're contacting, we're visiting homes, we are contacting parents, and so we're going to make sure those students who sign up virtually are engaged and that we're 
we're helping them learn. Okay, let's turn to another big issue that uh, was a problem for a lot of the year, and South Bend is not by any stretch alone in this, and that is school buses. Sure. Uh, the, the transportation issue has been a challenge for so many districts because you just can't find the drivers. Is South Bend ready to go with two days away with regular drivers, but also, importantly, substitute drivers? So we're ready to go on the first day of school. We have our call center open. I tried it. They're friendly, so if folks have questions, make sure they call our call center for answers. We always need bus drivers, and so if you're interested in joining our transportation team, you can go to our website and find out more how to do that. So you can tell parents safely and successfully at this point that come the first day of school, yeah, there might be a few glitches early on. We, we typically would see that, and that's not necessarily unusual, but you're not going to see buses running two to three hours late several weeks, maybe a month or more into the school year. Great question. So we've altered our uh, arrival times this year. We've changed our bell times. We're fully staffed. We believe we're ready to go. We are going to have some glitches early on because we haven't moved nearly 16,000 students in a year. And so again, call the call center, reach out however we can help. But we're excited for first day of school. Same for teachers, same for subs. Everything's ready to go? Everything's ready to go. Okay, all right. One of the ask you as well, there's a meeting tonight about the new shared rights and responsibilities versus the old code of conduct. Why the change from what was the code of conduct to the near uh, shared responsibilities? Sure, so it needed to be revised. We've had a revision team that's working on it. We submitted it to the Department of Justice, and we wanted one more time to make sure that we were getting as much community input as possible. And so there were three meetings. One is tonight at Martin's on Mayflower Road, and then the other two, the dates and times are on our website. Is there any concern that, uh, of course, there is a carrot and a stick with any type of a possibility, but there is less of a stick and maybe perhaps too much of a carrot according to some of the critics of this. You know, we just wanted to make sure that it was updated. We wanted to ensure that we weren't disproportionately suspending and expelling students of color. We wanted to make sure the language was updated. And so tonight is an opportunity for the community to come out and give yet another go-round of community input. All right, Dr. Todd Cummings, thanks very much for being with us. I know this is a busy time two days before the start of the school year. We appreciate you stopping thanks, by. Thanks, Bob. We're, we're excited about having our students back. South Bend Superintendent Dr. Todd Cummings on WSBT 22's First in the Morning. Some of our area school districts are already back in session. More are going back during the week. That means more buses are on the roads and more children are standing at bus stops. Some drivers get confused about school bus stop laws. The most important thing to know is that children are unpredictable and they are outside waiting for their buses. So slow down and stop for those school bus stop arms. Sergeant Ted Bonner with the Indiana State Police says we all play a role in getting our kids to school safely. Right now, drivers should be aware they will be seeing more buses on the roads. If the stop arm of a school bus goes out, all lanes of traffic need to stop unless the median is grassy or raised concrete or has a uh, some sort of a barrier. One of the most common questions about school bus laws is when to stop after a bus driver turns on its lights. The yellow lights are to warn you that the red lights are, are about to come out. It's kind of like approaching a traffic light. When you see the yellow lights, are you preparing to stop? Most of us should. Now, that doesn't mean go faster to get past it because we're dealing with kids that, that very possibly could be crossing the road. So, so just be extra cautious and, and be prepared to stop. And behind him, you saw that was State Road 23, where drivers often have questions about whether they should stop. That's because it's a four-lane highway. Bonner says a good rule of thumb is if you can drive over the median, all lanes should stop. If there's some sort of a barrier, oncoming traffic can keep going. In that case, there's no median, which means all lanes of traffic should stop. WSBT 22's Kristen Bean reporting. 
As your kids head back to school, they're not only sharing the classroom with their peers, they're probably sharing germs as well. The school year means more sniffles, coughs, and tummy aches, and of course, because there's a pandemic, a lot of those common illnesses kids pick up can look like COVID-19. While some will clear up on their own, others can be serious. Strep throat is one of the illnesses that can masquerade as a cold or the flu, but needs to be treated by a doctor. Strep is a bacterial infection. Your kid's throat might be sore, they may be running a fever. Some kids have a runny nose or a cough, and some children even have a bellyache. Local pediatrician, Yashab Shah says if your child has these symptoms, you should see a doctor. We treat strep throat uh, with an antibiotic to prevent the complications from the strep throat. If left untreated, strep can cause kidney inflammation or rheumatic fever. Dr. Shaw says another hint your child has strep is if they were exposed. It's very contagious. Again, WSBT 22's Kristen Bean reporting. South Bend's Common Council Monday stripped the Community Police Review Office from the city clerk's office, putting it directly under the mayor's authority. Mayor James Mueller promptly signed the measure, saying Director Josh Reynolds will not be part of that office going forward. The mayor said he hopes to get to work very soon on setting up that new office. However, he might have another issue on his hand in his ongoing back and forth with Clerk Don Jones. Before yesterday's vote, Clerk Jones vowed that she would keep the office's now former embattled director, Josh Reynolds, on the payroll regardless of what the council decided. She floated the idea of creating a new position called the Director of Community Transparency for Reynolds to take over. He can continue to do, to do what he's doing, which is finding out information, also in investigating complaints. That comment gave some council members pause during the vote last night, including Lori Hammond, who said that was her breaking point. Mayor James Mueller said this brought an end to an embarrassing episode, but it's not quite over yet. She, she can uh, certainly keep him on the payroll through the end of the year, but uh, I can all but guarantee you the 2022 budget uh, for the clerk's office will look uh, substantially different than it does uh, here today. While it's within her right to keep Reynolds on the payroll, Mueller says it's not okay for him to continue conducting investigations, and he'll do whatever is necessary to prevent that from happening, including taking the clerk to court. I would hope that last night's vote unanimously, extraordinary action by the Common Council, is a wake-up call to this clerk that she's got to change direction and be responsive to the community and the Common Council. Jones told us in a statement that she never said he'd be doing investigations and acknowledged she doesn't have the authority to do that. She went on to say, quote, when I'm asked to do a job, I do it with my whole heart even without resources. And because of an amendment added to that bill last night, control of the office could shift back to the city clerk after the next election in 2023. However, that's not a guarantee, and the council is still leaving the door open for that office to remain under the control of the mayor. WSBT 22's Max Lewis. St. Joseph County residents will see body cameras on county police within the next three months. That's one of the items being funded by the county's American Rescue Plan money. The St. Joseph County Council unanimously voted Tuesday night to pass the first round of requests for some of that money. The county has a total of $53 million available to spend over the next two years. There was about $10 million worth of requests on the table. A few of the bigger line items included $2.5 million for COVID, you know, general relief and supplies that the county needed, and an additional $2 million to get body cams for the Sheriff's Department. Almost $2.2 million will allow the St. Joseph County Sheriff's Office to enter a five-year contract to get Axon body cameras for their deputies. This just gives the uh, community that we serve the ability to be a little bit more transparent with them 
and show them uh, what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. The department says it's been wanting to get body cams for a while, and this one-time injection of cash will finally help get there. And then once that five-year contract is up, where are you guys going to look to get the money for it? Uh, we'll determine that. As we get closer to that fifth year, we'll obviously look at our, what our options are, see what uh, where technology is at that time. I mean, a lot can change in five years. Redmond says it'll take three months to get the cameras implemented, and St. Joseph County will model its policies off neighboring departments. State law requires body camera footage to be kept for at least 190 days and more if there's a complaint or a request to see it. And Sheriff Redmond says they plan to go beyond that requirement. To kind of hash out different requests, there are a number of requests. Other items in the bill include $4 million for road repairs, which the committee says just brings the budget back to the normal amount of funding since they lost so much from the state during the pandemic. There's also $2 million for COVID expenses, technology upgrades for the county city building and the jail, and money to cover overtime and extra help at the Portage Manor Assisted Living Facility due to the pandemic. Several members of the public spoke out against the line, showing that $18,000 had been used for legal services related to mask mandates. So what was voted on is just a fraction of all the different requests that they've received from different county departments and local organizations. Those all total up to $70 million, which is more than the county has available from these federal funds. Now, the committee that's been reviewing all the requests hasn't had a chance to look at all of them and pass them on to the council yet. But going forward, they're going to have to prioritize them or maybe start granting some partial requests so that they don't go over their budget. WSBT 22, Selena Guevara reporting. Power at Elkhart's Concord Mall has once again been shut off this week. The Elkhart Fire Department said operations like the sprinkler system are still working, but the lack of light makes it hard to find exit signs. A fire inspector says fire watch patrols are monitoring the mall. Officials will be in all areas of the mall for now for safety reasons. Visitors are upset, though, with the overall upkeep of the property. It's depressing to walk into anymore. It's so quiet and dead. Cheryl Lovin lives in Goshen and continues to shop at Concord Mall. But it's different now. I came here as a little girl when it first opened, and it's just really gone downhill now. Lovin has fond memories of what the mall used to be. Oh, very active, and I, I remember the water tower in the middle. It was beautiful, and um, my mom would bring us here to shop all the time, and I, we, we had fun. Now, shoppers feel like there's a lack of maintenance. And I'm just afraid how long it's going to be here because there's only a couple stores in the, in the mall now. Dave Swihart usually enjoys the mall to get his steps in, but the power outage is affecting his time. I'm into walking, you know, a certain number of steps a day, and when it's air conditioning, now the, the air conditioning isn't working right now. His walks have allowed him to observe the empty spaces and come up with ideas. So many stores that are vacant now, why not, you know, turn them into places? I know over by, uh, in the western part of town, they're building little little uh, houses, little sheds for the homeless. And for people like Lovin, she wants to see them all back in action. Landscape, the inside, it's just not been kept up. I would love to see someone come in and take it and just bring it back to what it was, you know, revive it. Two weeks ago, WSBT reported that previous owners of Concord Mall owed nearly $6.5 million for the mortgage and nearly half a million in late fees, interest, and property taxes. A judge ordered the mall into a receivership, which will manage the property until the buyers pay up or it can be sold to someone else who can. WSBT 22's Taylor Gatoni reporting. 
Views and opinions expressed are those of the individual speaking and do not necessarily reflect the views of WSBT Radio, its staff, or management. Join us next week for Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.